Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to VMB, the voice of Manhattan business, brought to you by the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. I'm your host, Bruce Hurwitz. You can find me on the web at hsstaffing.com. I hope everyone will be able to join me at noon next Wednesday, when my guest will be Michael Frankel from Who Let It. We will be discussing why you should care about birthdays. To learn about all future shows, please visit our website, thevoiceofmanhattanbusiness.com. And please remember to visit the events page on the Chamber's website, manhattancc.org, to learn about upcoming events on the Chamber's calendar. I am delighted to be joined today by Ramona Cedeno from Fibrick Financial Services. We will be discussing how startups can integrate executive accounting as part of their launch. Please remember the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. If you have any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 805-243-1301. And dial 1 so I know you have a question. Ramona, welcome to the show. Hi, Bruce. Thank you. I'm delighted to be on your show. Well, it's my pleasure. Tell us about yourself and your company. Yes, I am a CPA in the states of New York and New Jersey. I have degrees in accounting and finance. Uh, My experience, um, I, I was working at Geller & Company, which is an outsourcing accounting firm, for 10 years in the controller's group responsible for month and closing and reporting. And from there, I went to be the controller of a startup in the city. And that's where I decided that I wanted to found my own accounting practice. And in 2015, I founded Fibrex Financial Services. And my goal was to work with as many startups as possible to help them build strong accounting and finance functions because I noticed that this wasn't a priority a lot of times, at least at the beginning uh, of the startup launch. So now Fibric is a full-service accounting practice providing tax, bookkeeping, financial reporting services, in addition to supporting special projects like data migration between accounting systems, uh, support with due diligence work, among other services. What do you mean by a startup? I'll give you my personal definition. Uh, To me, a startup is a company that from the minute it takes off, and even before, it has a vision for big things, be it developing uh, something, some new way to do the same thing or inventing something big that will impact the masses. Uh, It might be better for me to explain it to you by giving you an example. So I'll take my father, who might create, Yes, <laughs> who might decide to build a car shop in his local area. And he says, um, I'm going to build a shop, and um, it's going to serve my neighbors and, and friends around here. Then my brother comes in and says, I'm going to build a machine that's going to diagnose what's wrong with the cars and fix them right on the spot. And I can sell this machine to everyone around the world who has a car shop. Now, my my brother has a startup there. I don't know a lot of our mechanics, but I hope someone creates this machine one day. 
Okay. Now, is your father also a startup in that example? No. So my father would be the traditional small business that we we have seen, um, you know, many years ago, the, the local bodegas or the hair salons that uh, serve local areas. So to me, that makes up the small business population. And then you have the startups that are from day one are thinking we're going to be huge and we are going to graduate, rather quickly expand and grow. Okay, that's fine. I'm glad I asked because most people have a different definition of a startup, but we use yours. You're the guest. There's no wrong answer. Now, Thank you. The, now the, the topic, again, is how startups can integrate effective accounting as part of their launch. So we're only talking about the preparations made before the startup starts operations. It, it does, right, so it's both. So there is a lot that you can do before, but due to timing or lack of resources to consult with an accounting or legal professional, uh, some startups start doing the accounting um, research or setting up accounting processes during the first year or second year. So my goal is to um, work with entrepreneurs to set up the processes before or at least within the first year after launch. Okay. So now that we've clarified that, my first question or my next question is does the corporate or the legal structure matter? For example, if it's an LLC or an S-corp. Or given your example, they might want to be a C-corp because they may want to have foreign investors, which I believe you can also do with an LLC, but they may want to go public so that has to be a C-Corp. So does the legal structure matter when you're setting up your accounting procedures? It does in, in many ways. Um, in your examples, if you are an LLC, you can set up very robust accounting systems and processes for any company. But the legal structure might uh, allow you some leeway in what you set up and what not. So for example, in the LLC, if this is a solo member LLC, this LLC might be able to do payroll processing manually because it's only one person. As long as they do the proper payroll tax withholdings, a manual payroll process might be okay. But a C-Corp, and you're right, a lot of the C-Corps that uh, want to raise capital, uh, a lot of companies that want to raise capital, rather, uh, benefit more from being a C-Corp than an LLC. So if you're a C-Corp and you already have employees, more, you know, a few employees, you will benefit from hiring an outsourced uh, payroll provider and having a, a more robust payroll system that will allow you to process your payroll, a payroll more efficiently and more accurately, possibly, even if it costs a little more. And the same goes for accounting systems as well. You, if you are a solo member LLC with only one type of service, you have a few clients, you may uh, be able to use some of the less complex accounting system where if you are an SSC corp, um, you may need something that allows you for more robust reporting for your investors and for management. Thank you. Now talk to us about a 
and it's apropos for this time of year. Talk to us about including taxation, paying taxes in a company's accounting processes. So when it comes to taxation, um, as we probably already know, anyone who is generating income, including companies, uh, cannot avoid some type of tax reporting. It is important to understand what your tax filing requirements are, what you, what's going to trigger a liability uh, when you're setting up accounting processes because this is going to determine how you set up certain transactions and what kind of systems you set up. So let's say we take, um, when it comes to taxes, you're, you're allowed to deduct certain meals and, expense, and travel expenses up to 50%. If you're setting up your accounting systems and processes and you don't clearly report travel and entertainment within your financial statements in a way that is going to make it easy for you to pull that information and only deduct 50%, if you don't do this, when it comes to the time for tax filings, you will find yourself either scrambling to try to get that data from the massive number of transactions that you have in your system or even if you get the information, you will potentially get it inaccurately, which will result in either overpayment or underpayment, and that leads to potential penalties by the IRS. So what feeds your financial data, which then leads to your tax filings, is important. And in setting up your, your accounting processes that leads to the financial information taxes into account, of course. In terms of paying, um, there are payments requirements that you must do during the year. There are quarterly tax filings uh, with estimate, estimated tax payments that some companies um, are required to do. And again, these are based on your financial data, which is going to be accurate and complete depending on how you set up your accounting. Which brings me to my next question. I wanted to tackle taxation first because it's the season, it's on everybody's mind. But now let's go a little bit more macro. What are the basic components to setting up uh, accounting processes? What do you need? believe that the first thing you need is to understand your operations. And I know that most company owners will say they do, and that might be true, but I'll use a few examples. So knowing how your sales will be processed and how that sales data will be collected, it's key in designing what accounting system you need, or what will be the process from sales to recording revenue. It's one thing to say I'm using X system to build my customers, but that system doesn't connect with your accounting system. I have seen this happen where um, companies use one system for billing, which is totally disconnected from the accounting system. So understanding what your operations are going to be, what tools you're going to use to for sales, for collections, for payroll, um, is important in deciding uh, or defining 
what the accounting processes are because this data is going to feed your financials. So understanding those processes that happen before you get to the accounting and defining them and figuring out how you're going to um, process those functions uh, is key uh, in accounting processes. The second item is defining your reporting needs. So how do you want your income statement to look? Do you want to report based on the type of product? Do you want to report expenses by department? I have clients that have a marketing team and an engineering team, and they want the heads of those teams to be accountable for the budget for the department. So in order to accomplish this, they have to design their chart of accounts and the reporting structure in a way that will allow them to give visibility to these departments. And the third item is choosing the accounting system that it supports your operations, also supports your reporting needs. So we talked about taxes before. If you're a C-Corp and you have investors that want you to report certain numbers to them on a monthly basis, you want an accounting system that is going to allow you to run those reports. And finally, the last thing that I think is a key component um, is defining the roles within the accounting and finance functions. It doesn't matter that you know your operations very well, that you understand what your reporting needs are, or that your accounting systems are great if you don't have the right people. And that means not only having the right people, but also knowing exactly who does what. So if you outsource your accounting function to uh, an outsourcing firm, it needs to be clear who is going to do what. Are they responsible for processing all your invoices or just for closing the books at the end of the month? If you have an internal accounting function, do you have just one person? Do you have two? And if you have two, who does what? Who collects the cash versus who applies it to the customer bills? So it is important to understand those pieces in, in order to have uh, good processes in place. You use the, um, I don't know, the term chart of accounts, and I learned a long time ago never to make assumptions. So in case we have someone listening who is a novice entrepreneur, what is a chart of accounts? That's a very good question. Uh, it is the account in your income payment or your balance sheet. You can define them by numbers and names or just names. So these are the accounts where you're going to categorize um, your expenses, your revenues, your assets. So, for example, in your income payment, uh, an account might be sales from subscriptions, um, sales from um, additional usage. On the expenses, you'll have marketing expense, printing, marketing expense, online. And all these, I, all these expense lines make up your chart of accounts. So your chart of accounts is the full list of accounts that feed your income statements and your balance sheet. On the balance sheet side, you have cash is an account, uh, prepaid expenses, you have 
accounts payable, and and a lot more. So that makes up your chart of accounts. Okay. Thank you. Now, just a reminder, you're listening to the Voice of Manhattan Business. My guest today is Ramona Cedeno from Fibric Financial Services, and we are discussing how startups can integrate effective accounting as part of their launch. If you have any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 805-243-1301, and dial 1 so I know you have a question. Please remember the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. Ramona, what should be avoided in setting up these accounting processes? I think the main thing to avoid is taking shortcuts. So using the payroll example that I mentioned before, if you are an LLC with a solo member, if if you want, I've seen uh, people do this where they are a sole member of their LLC and they take salaries, withdrawals directly from the business account. But it's just money they took out of their bank account. And there was not payroll tax reporting. So whether you're doing this for um, cost-saving purposes or time-saving purposes, Think about the fact that you might save today a little bit, you might save time a little bit, but a few months from now when you're audited, if you are audited, or when you have to pay your payroll taxes, you will be paying like, uh, penalties and interest on these payroll taxes that you didn't withhold. And the same thing goes with the time. If you are you know, taking a shortcut because you're saving time, when you have to pull this information a few months later to calculate the taxes or to respond to an inquiry from the IRS, you will have to spend the time to gather the documentation and do the calculations. So taking shortcuts should be avoided. Um, there are many tools and services out there that are affordable that will allow you to implement some basic processes for payroll, for accounting, for tax filings, and allow you to remain in compliance while saving or keeping the cost down. So my only advice to avoid is not to take shortcuts on implementing accounting processes and systems. One thing that everybody wants to avoid is an audit. What steps can you take to avoid or minimize the the possibility of being audited? The first thing I believe is um, paying your estimated taxes during the year. So if this is your first year in business, you want to make sure that you understand when is the first quarter that you have to file um, an estimated tax payment or, or make an estimated tax payment. Making estimated tax payments during the year will avoid having you just make one lump sum when the tax file a tax return is filed, at which point um, the IRS may see that you haven't paid throughout the year and might wonder why not. The second thing is, um, do not take deductions uh, in your business tax returns that are not reasonable for your type of business. 
uh, if you make deductions that appear to be not necessary for the business that you have, that might trigger an audit. And then inconsistent reporting. Uh, if you have been in business more than a year and you reported a loss this year, and uh, next year you have revenues or profit going up by 100%, these things seem to be very inconsistent. And it could be the other way around, where you have revenue one year, and then the next year your revenues or your profit went down by 100%. Something you know is going to seem like a flag there. So those are three things to avoid if you want to stay out of the uh, audit, um, you know, out of the uh, trying to avoid an audit by the IRS. Talk to us about deductions. You mentioned uh, travel and entertainment. Uh, no, you mentioned uh, food and travel. Give us some other um, examples of acceptable deductions and things that uh, cannot be deducted. Sure. Uh, business expenses that are used as deductions in your tax return must be and this is based on IRS guidelines, they must be ordinary and necessary for your type of business. So before you deduct anything, you have to make sure it's an ordinary expense, which means that it is common to your type of business. I have an accounting practice. I don't think the IRS is going to expect me to have deductions related to work uniforms because most accounting firms don't, don't enforce a uniform um, in the in the workplace, uh, necessary means that the expense is really really needed to operate your business. Again, I don't think I can deduct. I don't know a private jet to go to my clients. So yeah. the first thing is to understand. <laughs> the first thing is to understand uh, what expenses are ordinary and necessary for your business. And then some. So let's talk about some common ones. So common expenses that most businesses are going to have are payroll expenses. So everyone is a workforce, even if it's just one person. Every company is in a workforce, even if it's just one. Uh, we also need to market our businesses. That's expected. Um, some might need some technology. Others might need engineers. So it depends on the business. Some are very common. And necessary is um, some examples would be even though an expense is common for some businesses, it may not be necessary for me. So I use the jet example, but it's also you know, I don't need engineers because I don't have I don't have um, big technology that I'm developing or that I need to update for my business. So just going down the common list is again payroll, uh, marketing, travel, entertainment if they are needed to run your business to get new clients. If your team needs to work late or work during lunchtime, you can um, buy them lunch, which would be uh, a deduction. So um, other expenses might be um, bank charges, um, car service if you have to work very late, um, some depreciation for assets like if you bought a computer, you can deduct uh, in some cases the full cost of the computer and so forth. Okay, now the biggie. What's the impact? You said you want, you see a startup is a company that's going to grow. In order to grow, you have to have employees. 
So what's the impact of hiring employees on accounting practices? Do you mean, Bruce, uh, for the startups to hire employees for their firms? Yeah, for, for the startups. Yeah. For the startups. So for startups, what I have seen is that hiring the employees that are going to be motivated to help the startup grow is very, very important. So you don't want people that are just going in for six months and leave, go to the next one. Uh, you want to hire employees that understand your vision, that understand what your service or product or technology is or want to do, and whose values are aligned with those of your companies and yours. That's going to be key to keep the company growing. I have seen where employees are not happy the first year or the first few months, and they leave and things end up slowing down because of that. It, you know, you don't see it when the first person leaves, but when the second and third leave, it really slows down certain um, functions within the company and it affects the quality of some of the services that you provide. So hiring for Ramona, a longer term... Ramona, yes. I, I, pardon me for interrupting you, but I, I agree with everything you're saying. After all, I'm an executive recruiter. You're spot on. In fact, the most important thing when hiring is to make sure that the employee fits the company culture and that the, uh, that the new employee is smarter than you. Those are the two keys. You hire people smarter than you are, and you hire people who will fit in. But I'm asking you from the perspective of accounting. Now, all of a sudden, you start hiring people. You've got to, you now need a payroll. So that's something that you didn't have on day one, but on day, uh, let's say, 100, now you need a payroll. You already said it should be outsourced but how do you integrate the payroll into your existing accounting practices? Thank you for clarifying, Bruce. Okay, I get it. Okay, I see where you're going. So the most companies are outsourcing payroll today. Um, so key is to be able to integrate your payroll provider systems or data with your accounting system and also ensuring that what goes into your payroll um, is more of a compliance issue, but you want to make sure that the reporting that you're going to get from this uh, payroll provider aligns with how you want to report your financial data. So to give you an example, you a lot of companies report gross salary and then the payroll uh, tax expense that the company is paying and they want to see how much they're spending in workers' comp and how much they're spending in benefits. So having a payroll provider that can give you this data, ideally if it's easily integrated with your accounting system, that would be great. But if it doesn't integrate directly, um, you can then ask for reports that give you this information at this level of detail. And it gets even um, more complex than that. Some companies want to report their expenses, as I mentioned earlier, by department. So having this provider give you the, the payroll information departments where these employees are, 
is also important in that situation. So, again, from the beginning, before you go with a payroll provider, understanding what your reporting needs are from a financial perspective is important. And then from there, you decide which payroll provider is going to give me the best service to align with what my reporting needs are. And I just want to say, uh, Ramona, I couldn't agree with you more. The one thing I always tell clients that they want to outsource is payroll. The only other thing that I tell them they don't want to do is if they do a lot of bulk mailing, especially if they're a nonprofit, they want to outsource that as well because the laws pertaining to um, bulk mail are unique to say the least and you don't need that headache. So I want to thank you profusely. You've given us a lot of good information. Before I let you go, what's the best way for listeners to get in touch with you? Yes, thank you, Bruce, again for having me on the show. I had a great time. Uh, If listeners want to reach out to me, um, they can visit my website, which is firebrickfinancialservices.com. My email is artsedenio, which is my first name initial and my last name, at fibricfinancialservices.com. Uh, my phone number is 646-242-3326. And you can also find me on LinkedIn under my name or Fibric Financial Services on Facebook and Twitter is Fibric Finance. And just so everybody knows, Fibric is spelled F like Frank, I like ice, and then the word brick, all one word. Ramona, thank you again for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you. And this is Bruce Hurwitz. Thank you for listening, and have a safe and prosperous week.